episode 111, Social Worker Turned Executive Coach on the Social Workers Rise podcast. Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. So it is beginning of 2023 and I can't even believe that this podcast is three years old already, um, which isn't very long in the grand scheme of life, but in the podcast world, this is ancient. Like this is wild. And most of the podcasts don't even make it past 10 episodes because people just give up. So I want to first thank you for being here with me. A lot of the listeners, and maybe you, found me last year in 2022. So it just goes to prove that if you are starting anything, right, and if you are feeling drawn to this uh, passion or you really feel strongly about it, Give it time because I i mean, my first 10 episodes are like embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about disabling them. But anyways, uh, so my point being is that you're never going to be completely ready. You're never going to be completely perfect starting out of the gate because it takes practice to be, to be great, right? Even after 110, 11 episodes, I'm still learning something new about podcasting all the time. I don't even consider myself a podcast expert. I feel like I'm, you know, I've passed like 101. I feel like I'm definitely maybe, you know, in like 105 now, but definitely not an expert by any means. And to be honest, it hasn't been easy. And I really strive to come up with episodes that are going to be valuable for you because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to be just putting out episodes to say, well, here's another one. Um, I know that it's pointless, but here you go. So I really take my time considering what topics to bring, what guests are going to be most valuable. Um, I do a lot of research around these topics so that I'm able to at least know the basic knowledge, right? And while while this podcast has been extremely successful, I mean, we just ranked in the top 50 of all career podcasts. Like that is wild. That is so wild that all of all of the career podcasts in the entire world, Social Workers Rise was at our top number 39. And I just can't believe it. It just goes to show that all of the hard work pays off, even though a lot of the times it doesn't feel like it. And to be completely honest with you, I feel like I can be honest with you. Last year was a struggle. 
2022, I had a lot of different things that are going on as far as, you know, one with the podcast, two with my personal family, a lot of changes going on, um, you know, a new job. So just to let you know, you know, everyone struggles, even though for me personally, I really try to focus on the good. And that is, that's a lot of the times what I show because I want to be encouraging and uplifting but I also think that it is encouraging and uplifting for you to know that I struggle too. I mean, last year and currently I've struggled a lot with perfectionism. Like, is this episode good enough? How am I showing up on social media? Like, is it valuable? And this perfectionism really kept me from actually showing up and even trying. So just know that nobody is perfect. And I have to constantly remind myself Done is better than perfect. And I do this with every single thing that I do, which is a good and bad thing, right? Um, for example, I have a workshop coming up, which I might as well just talk about right now. But there's going to be a workshop coming up at the end of February. It's called Success in Clinical Social Work, Purpose, Income, and Wellness. And this is really to address the needs of the new entry-level social workers. So if you are... I'm planning to be graduating this year. If you are new to the field within, you know, the first three years of your career, then this is for you because we're going to be talking about strategies to increase your income, the licensing process and clinical supervision process, and staying well and preventing burnout as a social worker. I am giving you all of this, like everything that I have. I'm getting all of my tools together. I, I really want this to be a really fun event and impactful. So there's going to be tools, we're going to have conversations, and it's going to be amazing. This is only going to be $9.99 for the month of January. The price will go up. And I know a lot of people have told me, Catherine, you are significantly undercharging with this. But, and I know this, I know that you're going to get way more than $9.99 value out of this. You're going to get more than $600 value out of this. But it's so that we're not excluding anybody. So this is affordable for everybody. And I really, really want this to be impactful for as many people that need it. So that is, you know, one thing that's coming up in February. And, you know, I wanted to also be honest too and finish kind of my thoughts around the struggles is um, imposter syndrome is huge for me. And I will be talking about this in the workshop. And even I, it's like ironic because I struggle with imposter syndrome and then I'm also going to present on imposter syndrome. And then I'm thinking, who am I to present on imposter syndrome? <laughs> so it's just this, um, this never ending cycle. But like I said, done is better than perfect. So I'm going to give you all that I have and hopefully it'll help me as well to have these reminders about imposter syndrome and that you really are valuable. We all have something that we can give and something that we can give in a way that no one else can, right? Our experiences, our personalities, where we live, our culture, all of these things make us so beautiful and so unique that we are definitely needed. And there are people who need our services, who need what we can provide. So 
while I am overcoming perfectionism and imposter syndrome, I'm convinced that this is a lifelong thing that we need to, to do, which I'm okay with that. So that is why I'm really excited for this podcast season, because we have a, re- a lot of really, really great topics that are be coming up. I have given a lot of thought and talked to a lot of people around what do we need to hear about? What do we need to learn about? So if you haven't subscribed already, definitely subscribe. And I'm going to stop talking (laughs) because uh, this is a long intro. I like to just kind of get straight to the point, but I feel like it's really important for you to just have an update on where I've been and where we're going. We are going to double the listenership for this podcast in 2023. I'm convinced this is my goal. So you can help me with this goal. I do not need any money from you. All you would need to do is subscribe and or if there's an episode that you love that reminds you of a colleague or a coworker, just text it to him, send it to him, spread the word. And that is all that I am asking from you is to just spread the word about this podcast because that is my main goal for 2023 is to get the word out about the podcast and get more people in our community, more people listening. And that is how we are going to uplift the social work profession. I am not doing it by myself. I'm doing it with your help. And this is a really simple call to action. It will take you probably less than one minute to do both of those things. So with that said, um, I'm really excited to talk with or to hear you. uh, Sorry, getting tongue tied. I'm excited to hear to have you hear our conversation with Dr. Lakia Cherry today because she started out as a clinical social worker and moved her way on up and she has made a complete career transition into an executive leadership coach. So Dr. Lakia Cherry, she is a DSW, she has her MSSW and an ACC. She is an executive leader, leadership coach and partner at Evolution. She has dedicated her career to the growth and development of individuals and organizations that they are a part of. As an ICF certified coach, a starting block fellow, and a Google hashtag I am remarkable facilitator and a certified dared to lead facilitator, She believes that when leaders are empowered to reach their fullest potential, they will be able to support those around them more effectively. And when we talk about leaders, we're not just talking about your boss. We're talking about you, the social worker who is listening to this episode right now. You are a leader. You are a leader in so, so many ways. And I know that you can get a lot from this conversation, especially if you are curious about coaching, about going into coaching. What does that look like? You know, could it be a good fit for you? And coaching is really cool, in my opinion, because the skills that we learn as social workers are perfect for coaching, for helping people to find their way, get clarity, get direction. And Also, the other good thing is you don't necessarily, you don't have to be licensed for this. So you can do this with your bachelor's of social work, your master's of social work. You could do this at any point in your career. So that is the really cool thing about this. We're going to hop right into this episode after this short ad from The Rise Directory. 
This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. We are here with Lakia Cherry. Welcome to the podcast, Lakia. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm excited to have you because I've been following you on LinkedIn for, it must be years now. So um, I've admired the work that you do. You have had some leadership positions, and now you are on your own entrepreneurship venture. So I'm really excited to, um, to have this conversation with you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so I think I, you know, I wanted to start with your current role, but I think it would be really good to kind of give us a little brief history of what you've been up to um, recently, because I know you've made a transition. Oh, good question. Okay, so I am a former nonprofit CEO. I was the CEO of an organization called the Network for Social Work Management for almost nine years. I transitioned from that role last July. And since July 1st, I've been on my own as a full-time small business owner and partner at a firm called Evolution. So while at the network, I did a lot of leadership development and capacity building for social workers, as well as health and human services professionals, general nonprofit workers, all again around leadership development. And from doing that for so long, I learned that I wanted to become a coach. I wanted to facilitate more. I wanted to train more. So not only did I want to seek out these type of people um, to offer services to our audience, I wanted to be one of the people doing the work. Um, So it took courage um, and it took a lot of learning in order to get me in a place where I felt comfortable to leave. Yeah. And I think that is a really great point because a lot of people struggle with that because we have our social work jobs. They pay us a nice salary. We're comfortable, even though we might not necessarily be really happy or fulfilled anymore. So how did you know for yourself or how did you get the courage to be able to say, you know, I've been here nine years and now it's time for me to move on? Oh my goodness, Catherine, it was hard. So when I first decided to leave, um, I'm not going to lie, I did go through stages of grief and I questioned whether I had made the right decision um, because again, we oftentimes get comfortable in our situations and it's hard for most people to leave their comfort zone. But as I was reflecting back, I actually found a message that I had sent to a friend over four years ago, where I told them that I was ready to leave and they were encouraging me to leave. And I was like, no. And so I knew many years ago that I wanted more, that I needed more, that it was time for change, but I was so afraid, so fearful of change that I held myself back. And so many people in my life would constantly say, you could be doing more, you could be getting paid more, you could have your own business, you could do this, this, and this. And while I'm not gonna lie, it did 
you know, it stroked my ego a little bit to hear what other people thought I could do, but I didn't believe it myself. And so what finally happened, 2020 pandemic, um, a lot of us were trying to figure out what work, what our career looked like. And, and I'm really into the future of work, the future of leadership. So I was paying attention to trends and the need to upskill. I was looking at how many organizations, many businesses um, outside of the corporate sector were now beginning to consider coaching, especially executive leadership coaching. I myself had had a coach and I knew when I had a coach that at some point in my life I'd be a coach. But when I was looking at what was happening during the pandemic, I saw that this was a new untapped direction, especially for someone with a social work background and this would be a great opportunity for me to upskill and to get in. In addition, I finished my doctoral degree um, in 2020. And once I had my doctorate degree, I had a lot of people outreaching to me for speaking opportunities, consulting opportunities, et cetera. And then mentors on the side kept saying, now is a good time to actually start your business. If you're starting to get this side work, you know you want to become a coach, now is a really good opportunity for you to start a business. That's amazing. So I know that there in the in our world, right, there's a kind of a tension sometimes between therapists and coaches. So what yeah. would you say is the difference? Well, I think that so the quick and easy difference, therapists look back, coaches look forward. And so they definitely go hand in hand, but oftentimes therapists are addressing trauma. They're addressing your past um, in order to help you to move forward. Whereas coaches are oftentimes focusing on where you want to go. And so fortunately, I guess for many of the people that I see as a coach, I have experience in both. I was a therapist early in my career. So I am able to quickly address um, some of their behaviors, um, some of what they experience um, in order to understand them a little bit more um, so that we can actively focus on their future. But oftentimes with my coaching clients, I, if I recognize or identify trauma or a barrier, I'll ask them whether or not they already have a therapist or one of their coaching goals that I recommend is that they immediately find a therapist so that they can work with the therapist alongside the work they're doing with me as their coach. That's awesome because it sounds like there really is a place for everybody. Like everyone has a purpose here. And I've seen too that there's less stigma with hiring a coach. A lot of times people, they know they need help, but they're yeah. just not really sure where to go. And a coach sounds like, like a safe place. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way, but I think therapy oftentimes does get a bad rap. And especially when you think of people from marginalized backgrounds, um, many of them aren't necessarily comfortable with um, going to a therapist. Um, I remember I was coaching someone and he referred to it as counseling and it is counseling essentially, but he would not refer to it as therapy. And so for a variety of factors, you know, some we know, some we don't, um, there is a lot of stigma. Whereas coaching, most people, when they think of coaching, they're thinking of sports. 
And, you know, with sports, your coach is helping you to be your best, to do better, to work as a team, et cetera. And usually there's not a negative connotation associated with a sports coach. So it doesn't surprise me that coaching is something that people are more receptive to, even if they don't necessarily understand it within a leadership context. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what would you say would be the best part of your job right now? Like, what do you enjoy the most? I like freedom. So <laughs> for me, um, early in my career, I thought that success was titles and money and prestige. And while, don't get me wrong, while a lot of that matters to some extent, I really value autonomy and freedom. Um, I know what I like. Um, I don't like to be micromanaged. I know what my interests are. Um, I want to have the ability to decide what type of projects I want to work with, who I want to work with, to actually be able to effectively implement boundaries without fear of losing my job. Um, if I'm tired, I want to be able to rest. I want to be able to you know, recognize that I'm not in a mindset to focus on something and go on a walk without fearing that I'm going to get in trouble or something's going to happen. Not to say that this has happened to me, but I think when I work for other people, in my mind, they own me, so to speak, during a set, you know, amount of hours, or I have to overproduce in order to really effectively show that I'm worth being in that role and that I'm capable of being here and sustaining the organization, et cetera. Whereas on my own, it's, there's still stress. Like, don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of stress, but I'm more relaxed and more willing to say, you know what? I'm going to stop working for the rest of the day. I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm going for a walk. So my self-care has significantly improved um, since becoming my own boss. Yes. And that makes a world of difference. And it just brings world up your whole quality of life. <laughs> yeah. And it's a transition. So it's a transition where, I mean, you have to hustle to an extent. And so you do have to network. You have to have a brand. You have to really get yourself out there. You have to do lead generation. So you have to do all of the things necessary in order to get clients and to have a successful business. Um, so in the beginning, there's a lot more pressure. And again, I'm still relatively new at this, but I realized if I want things to be different, I really need to change. And I can't make the same excuses when I am fully in the driver's seat for my life. And so it's the whole concept of self-determination. If I'm here and I'm responsible for my life, I can't really say, you know, it's Catherine's fault or anybody else's fault that I'm not eating lunch or taking a walk or doing anything else that I need for myself. Right. And it sounds like that takes a really large amount of self-discipline too, because sometimes oh, yeah. people would thrive on the, on the pressure, right? Like, oh, somebody's going to be watching me. Someone's going to find out that I like took a nap at work or something. <laughs> exactly. But, which but is why for, people love working from home now. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> but for uh, for being an entrepreneur, and this is true for, 
I know there's a lot of social workers who are looking at becoming coaches or people who are looking to open up their private practice that it is a lot of work. And this is, has been my experience of, of starting an entrepreneur ventureship is it's, it's a lot of work, like more work than I would have done at my job, but oh, yeah, definitely. it's, it's working for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is my investment into my own future as opposed to investing into someone else's future or someone else's business, someone else's dream. Yeah. I was just telling a friend the other day, oh my goodness. I said to her, I said, this is so much work. I don't have an assistant anymore. I'm responsible for my accounting, my financial management, my marketing, my biz dev, every single element of a business. I'm currently responsible for that, which can be extremely overwhelming. But I said, you know what? It's worth it. (laughs) Like it's so worth it where for me, Again, there there are days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm going to figure it out because I like the freedom that I have. And when I have those wins, like I feel so proud of myself. Like I feel so excited. And it's completely different to your point than when you're working for somebody else and their dream and they have control over you and what you do. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I'm wondering you know, now as an entrepreneur and you, it's, it's a whole new venture, right? Something that's not familiar, not comfortable, um, uncomfortable even. Do you ever start to feel like imposter syndrome creeping in? No, only because um, I went through the imposter syndrome before making the decision. So I, I doubted myself and my abilities early on which prevented me from doing this sooner. And so I began to recognize that one, I am valuable, I am remarkable, um, that I do have a lot of education and a lot of experience that a lot of people oftentimes rely on. So why am I not seeing this myself? Um, Why am I the person that's holding myself back? But I also began to look at it from a systemic lens especially as a black woman. And I recognized that a lot of the self-doubt I had was because of me existing in a world that wasn't designed for me. I put all these extra kind of conditions on myself. Like you have to be perfect in order to maintain this job, in order for them to see you as good enough without recognizing that I already was good enough. I already was successful. And so once I kind of transitioned the way I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm afraid, but I'm not an imposter here. I belong. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS law and ethics exam, the ASWB master's or clinical licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams 
and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion, containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses, including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an introduction to suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. I have the skills. I have the qualifications. Now what I do deal with is where can I access additional knowledge and resources to help me with what I don't know? And so I don't feel like an imposter because I don't know something, but I recognize that I'm not going to be an expert in everything. So it's trying to strategize as to how I'm going to figure it out or hire someone who can help me. And that's a really important point to bring up. I'm glad that you did bring it up because a lot of times as social workers, we feel like we should know all of the answers, right? Like I know, especially for me, I told myself, you know, you have a master's degree now. That's amazing. You should know this stuff, but it's impossible. Things are always changing. (laughs) You, You never are going to know anything. And For me, I found that once I accepted that and I got really good at saying, you know, that's a great question. Let me find out for you. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of times what I've noticed with social workers is we'll keep making excuses and justifications. Okay. Once I get this additional degree, once I do this certificate program, once I become an adjunct professor, once I do this, this, and this, then I'll ask for my worth, then I'll start a podcast, then I'll do this or that. When we already have the skills, we already have the talents. And a lot of this is just, you know, put yourself out there and try and learn on the go. Um, We really need to get better at actual practice and not just staying in our head and thinking that we have more to learn and more to do um, because nobody else is doing that. Which is why, back to coaching, a lot of social workers, they're not comfortable with coaching because there's a lot of coaches who are now coming in who have, admittedly, less education and experience, not me, but there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of coaches who are now coming in and they are making so much money in comparison to social workers. And then social workers are like, wait, what? I don't like this industry. They're unregulated. They're this, this, or this. But we've had the skills all along. We coach as social workers. How come we can't demand more? How come we can't do more? And so I figured, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I have the skills. I'm going to become a coach too. Still a social worker, but also a coach. There you go. I love that. And it's interesting because it's really true. I see a lot of coaches. I mean, yesterday I was listening to a a very famous coach and they 
quoted their therapist. They said, my therapist, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then they led me through an exercise that was CBT. Yep. And I was like, exactly. wait, so <laughs> I did this all day with my clients and we call this quote therapy and they're calling it mindset work. Oh yeah. And I have a lot of friends who are therapists who have private practices who are now looking to become a coach because also they could do a little bit more with their clients, but then they can open it up to more people where perhaps there's a stigma around therapy by adding in this additional modality. Right. Right. Yeah. And the way I see it is if people are getting help one way or another, I'm all for it. Same. (laughs) We need it. Everyone should have a coach. Everyone should have a therapist. You know, we need sources of support around us. Yes, definitely. So what would, what do you think makes a good coach? Like if we're, if we're thinking, okay, I want to go on an entrepreneurship, ventureship, whatever it might be, starting your own nonprofit, starting your own business, starting your own private practice. How, you know, where would we even go to find a coach? Do you have any recommendations or suggestions? There's a lot of different places. Um, It does depend on budget, but it also depends on what you're looking for. Um, There are business coaches, there's leadership coaches, there's executive coaches, there's executive leadership coaches, there's life coaches. So there's a lot of different coaches. Um, You have to decide, do you want a coach of color? Um, Do you want a coach of a certain gender? Um, Do you want to work, you know, in group coaching? There's also group coaching programs, or do you want to work one-on-one? And so really thinking about what you're looking for. And once you have identified that criteria, um, for example, I'm a partner at a firm where we have over 30 coaches and all of us have extensive knowledge and experience in completely different areas. And so one thing we do at Evolution is if someone's interested in, for example, career coaching, we look at the bios of the other partners to see who actually has career coaching experience. We outreach to them to see whether they're interested or they have the availability to take on more clients. And then we give that prospective client all of the bios of the people who fit the criteria of what they're looking for. And then we tell the coachee or the prospective coaching client to meet with everyone for like a 30 minute discovery call so that you can establish some early rapport, get a sense for that person, their style, because similar to therapy, every coach has a different style. So get a sense of their style and what might work for you and then ask questions, et cetera, and then decide, you know, who's the best fit. And at some points, it might not be any of us. Another way, there's the International Coaching Federation, ICF. They have a directory of coaches across the country, um, some globally. That's another easy way. And then there's other um, organizations such as BetterUp, et cetera, where you can basically kind of like there's many coaching, not coaching, there's many therapeutic programs like that where you could go in and just indicate that you want to coach. This is the rate you're willing to pay. And then they match you with someone. You're not necessarily selecting, but they match you. And oftentimes it's a lower rate. Okay. That's really good to know. Um, So 
uh, when we, I'm just kind of gathering my thoughts because there's two questions I want to ask you. One, what would we be reaching out to you for? Like what kind of coaching do you do and how, how do you help your clients? Well, many of my clients, I'm laughing, thinking about this. Many of my clients would describe me as direct. Um, I mentioned that I've been a therapist and I decided it wasn't for me. I'm very future focused. Um, I'm an achiever by nature and I really want to help people succeed and accomplish their goals. So I'm someone who's actively going to be working with my clients um, in terms of accountability and making sure that their goals are clear, concise, and that they're actually doing the work um, to get what it is that they say that they want. And some of that work is really addressing um, some of their barriers, their mindsets, some of the limitations, but also I give homework. And so I'm someone where if you say that you want to develop relationships with people um, in the social work community, I'm going to ask you questions such as, you know, what have you done to develop these relationships? What are some things that you can do? What are you willing to consider? And then getting you to agree on something. And then I'm going to say, okay, so between this time and this time, are you willing to begin working on it? Because I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm taking notes. My clients are taking notes. So a lot of my clients get things accomplished really quickly. Um, because again, I'm driving them, but it's again at their pace because everybody is different and real world situations and then things are going to come in. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do peer coaching. So that's oftentimes with teams. So I might work, an organization might work with me to hire a team of managers and I'm teaching them how to coach each other. Uh, and then I'm helping to facilitate that process. I've also done group coaching. The group coaching is more facilitative. Um, for example, I'm a Brene Brown Dare to Lead facilitator. And so while I'm facilitating that content, I'm also in a group context, coaching everyone one-on-one -on -one in front of the group um, as they respond to some of my prompts and some of the work. And then beyond that, I also do speaking. Um, I do training. I do some DEI workshops, some general leadership workshops. Um, I mentioned facilitation. Beyond Dare to Lead, I also facilitate Google's I Am Remarkable work. And then, of course, coaching, which I just mentioned. Yeah, that's great. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it helps to give me a better perspective and idea into, uh, one, the type of people that I can send to you, and two, if people are listening right <laughs> now, if they need your services or if their organization might benefit from your services, to definitely you know give you a call or send you an email. I'm wondering, um, well, first I wanna, I wanna clarify. When, when we're talking about these coaching organizations, is there a certain level of education or training or certificate that we need um, if we're interested in pursuing this career path? That's a good question. So yes and no. So admittedly, there's many people out there who consider themselves coaches and they've never had formalized training. Um, they're not certified and I don't think that I have the ability to say whether or not they're qualified to be an effective coach because I don't necessarily know what their path has been, what their education is, 
what their experience has been to help whomever they're helping. But there are coaches who didn't go through a coach training program or who are not certified, perhaps. And then there are other coaches like myself who have gone through a training program and who are registered um, or certified through ICF. And so, and then within ICF, there's different levels. So there's like ACC, PCC, et cetera, master coach. And in order to get these different certifications, similar to obtaining an LCSW, you have to have a set number of client hours. Um, you have to have a certain number of hours of education or training program. You have to also do continuing education programs to get credits or units, whatever you call it. In addition to that, you have to test and pass. And it's something you have to maintain every year um, in order to have that particular credential. Oh, wow. It sounds pretty strict, actually. Yeah, and it's a lot stricter than most people know or think. But I think oftentimes we get in the habit of seeing something that we don't like or something that we see as competition, but not actually doing our own research to figure out what the criteria is and what that actually looks like from the other side. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what kind of advice or tips could you give us in case we are interested in pursuing a similar career path and getting into coaching? Ooh. Okay. So if you're interested in coaching, the first thing that I'd recommend is that you have a coach. And so I'd advise you to experience coaching before ever considering to go into coaching so that you can actually know what it's like and have an opportunity to reflect and think, is this for me? Like, do I want to do this? For example, I mentioned that I was a therapist and after over a year of it, I recognized that I could not do it for the rest of my life. I recognized that I did not want to get an LCSW, I had an LMSW. Um, I did not want to start a private practice, not that you have to, but that this wasn't necessarily my path. And so while coaching may appear sexy or like this new opportunity, I suggest that you actually experience it first before going that route. And then decide what type of coach do you want to become? Do research on all of the different types of coaching. There's career coaching, um, a lot of social workers are now going into career coaching. Um, there's life coaching, which is a little bit more similar to therapy, yet not therapy. So do research on the different types, research the programs, research the qualifications, the price, weigh pros and cons, and then commit. But in addition to that, people oftentimes think that it's easy. I'm just going to start my own business. Oh no, starting your own business, as we said in the beginning, is a ton of work. You need to have a brand. And so you need to be comfortable posting on social media and or cold calling people, outreaching, generating leads. And if you're not familiar with that, um, if you're uncomfortable with that, you also need to address those areas. Otherwise, say for instance, you get your LCSW and you want to start a private practice or you get your coaching certification, how are you going to get your clients? How are people going to know who you are or even trust you to hire you 
especially when it's so competitive and you could go to so many other therapists or so many other coaches. So I think it's important that you're doing some work around biz dev in terms of learning what it actually means and what it looks like. So you're upskilling there, but then you're also really researching what it means to be a coach, what the different programs are, the process, and whether you're willing to invest, not just the money to get the certification, but invest in all of the other stuff that comes with it. So this is really a long-term strategy that we're talking about here. Like if we want to become a coach, you're recommending that we experience coaching for ourselves, hire somebody, you know, do the research, see what is out there, see what you're going to need help with and how each coach might be able to help you in a different way. And, um, and eventually like if it feels right still, then to make that investment and to continue learning and growing in that field and, um, and putting yourself out there. Oh yeah, definitely put yourself out there. And again, that is if you want to be a coach that is certified. Like I said, I've seen many people, I've seen, I've even seen social workers who, because they have their LCSW and perhaps they have a private practice, they feel that they already have the coaching skills and training that they need. And so now, you know, on their websites, on their business cards, they also put coach. Mm-hmm. Like yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do uh, career coaching for entry-level social workers and I don't have a certificate in that per se, but I've been there, done that. Yeah. I talked to many, many social workers. I help, I've helped them all and I was doing it for free. And now I'm like, you know, I, I, I just can't keep doing it for free. So we need to actually legitimize this process. Exactly. And that's perfectly okay. Because again, you have the experience, you have the lived and the professional experience doing it. And, and if you're already doing it for free, if people are already coming to you, they see value in you. Why not monetize it? Especially we, we have to survive. We can't, we should be paid our worth. So good for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lakia, for sharing all of these, uh, all of these gems. Uh, really excited for you and what 2023 has in store for you. Uh, where can people find you and connect with you? You can find me at LakiaCherry.com, L-A-K-E-Y-A-C-H-E-R-R-Y.com or at evolution.team. Great. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe and text this episode to a friend. If you want more, there are a few ways we can get to know each other and work together. First, definitely subscribe to the Friday resource email list. The link is in the show notes. And that's where you can learn more about the courses I offer, including Clinical Essentials for the Future Therapist and the Pulse Basics for Medical Social Workers. I'll also be sending out occasional tips and resources and other happenings within the social work industry. And for all your clinical supervision needs, be sure to visit risedirectory.com. 
This is a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers, and we also provide free resources that you can use within your own clinical supervision. Lastly, if you have more individualized needs, I do offer coaching, individual consultations, and am available for public speaking engagements for social workers and change makers. Lastly, the boring legal stuff, but very important. The information in this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for therapy, professional advice, or clinical supervision. This content is provided as is solely for informational purposes. It is not legal, health, or safety advice. I am not advising you as a therapist. Organizations should engage their own experts to ensure any adoptive measures are compliant with applicable laws and standards in their jurisdictions. The opinions expressed by individuals or organizations are their own and do not reflect the views or opinions of Social Workers Rise or Catherine Moore. References to specific products or organizations do not constitute any endorsement or recommendations by Social Workers Rise.